Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor trained in trauma and addiction. The Asking Why podcast is for anyone on a journey of healing and restoration. If you are searching for answers to life's questions and want to learn more about root causes from a psychological and theological mix, this show is for you. In this podcast, myself and a co-host from Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness will interview guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clintdaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. Putman Restoration is a proud sponsor of the Asking Why podcast. Putman Restoration specializes in commercial disaster services, including water damage, fire, smoke, mold, and storm. Their goal and desire is to get your properties up and running as soon as possible after disaster strikes. Hospitals, schools, hotels, and large municipal buildings, malls, churches, and large commercial properties are their specialty. Manage properties nationwide? No problem. Putman Restoration services their clients nationwide. They are strategically partnered with elite restoration companies throughout the U.S. and Canada, giving their clients resources during disasters where normal companies would be tapped out. Trust the professionals at Putman Restoration when disaster strikes. Visit them online at www.putmanrestoration.com or give them a call at 318-453-5029. Asking Why, Episode 79. I'm your host, Clint Davis. Uh, Welcome. Uh, We have today Elliot Callan, and I'm glad to have you, man. We were talking a little bit before about, um, you know, what we're going to be talking about today. So can you tell our audience who you are and what you do and uh, what brings you to our audience? Well, thank you, uh, Clint, for having me. That's great. Um, It's a great story. And if you give me a moment, I'd like to share how we've really entered the mental health world that I know your audience is so interested in. Um, But here's here's what happened. I've been doing this now for seven years. And so January... Coming up to Jan- the seventh, the eighth anniversary, almost eight years ago now, uh, my 19-year-old sophomore at the University of Montana, uh, no alcohol, no drugs, walked in front of a walked to the highway and jumped in front of an oncoming truck. Oh my! Goodness. And took his life. And we had been frantically looking for him that Friday because he turned his phone off. And it felt wrong because no teenager turns off their phone. Uh, again, no no sign of depression no coming out of, of anything that was out of the ordinary that you'd expect from any other 19 year old. And then the sheriff pulled us back and said, I'm sorry, your son is dead. Mm. And at that moment, almost at that moment, federal express knocked on our door with a six page suicide note. Oh my goodness. And in that note, the first main paragraph, Clint, it said, mom and dad, I've been thinking about this for a very long time. I never would have told you how I felt. I never would have asked for your help and I never would have taken your help. Mm. And so I read that on the way up there to claim his body and bring it back to Northern California for burial. And then on the way back, I just read that paragraph over and over and over. And I realized we had to do something about it. We had to stop other parents from experiencing devastation and destruction. So we started a charity, uh, called A Brighter Day, it's at abrighterday.info. Uh, and originally it started with music. We took Battle of the Bands, a very old concept, Battle of the Bands. Mm-hmm. We packaged it to uh, Teen Band Showcase, 
So it's something more positive than battle, uh, than the word battle. And we began to do these teens bands playing for teens. And at these concerts, we would hand out backpacks filled with resources that we created on stress and depression. Mm. And we did these for four straight years, uh, handed out about two or 3,000 backpacks wow. to parents and their kids. Just great. We got in there. And then COVID hit. And COVID, we had to reinvent ourselves because we're not doing team band showcases anymore. And ultimately what we did is we realized that the best way to reach teens is probably through their parents, not through the teen themselves. Yeah. And so we redid our website completely. We repackaged ourselves. We hired a full-time writer. I write full-time, I write, I have a writer that writes. Uh, we came up with original content on stress and depression. Uh, and we created a mailing list, all free, advertising free on a brighterday.info. It's amazing what we're doing. And just to put that in perspective, Clint, in the first four years, give or take, we had 2,000 people get our resources. Last month, we had 14,000. Wow. Just how different that is. And we've also realized along the way that not every parent, as we're trying to help parents and teens with stress and depression and the goal of stopping teen suicide, not everybody is visual reading resources like we create. Some react very differently. And so we created also a texting program where inept teenagers love the texting program because they live in that world. That's right. Next will be Snapchat program. Yeah, <clears throat> yes. And so the texting program is 24 seven, anybody over the age of 12, anywhere, any state in the United States can text the word brighter, B-R-I-G-H-T-R, the 741-741, and they will get help within five minutes. And they could do it every day of the week. Wow. 24-7. It's amazing what's going on there with that. And and I have to tell you, the number one question that teenagers ask when they're on this texting program is, am I the only one feeling this way? And if that's not enough, because your, your teenager needs help, and texting isn't going to do it for you, do it for him, they legitimately need to meet with somebody. Today, in, in most states, it could take up to 10 weeks to get a live counselor meeting. Mm -hmm. I don't mean it's, it's just it's horrible the system that we have right now. We teamed up with BetterHelp that we can get counsel, teen and parent meetings inside of seven days. Again, all 50 states. It would be via Zoom, but now we've got written resources for the people that want to do that. Get something every other week to how to we're on tips on how to deal with stress and depression. Uh, texting for the people that like texting and live in a world of texting, and we have a live program that they can do within seven days. And we just started just recently. We kind of modeled ourselves after AA. We're just starting monthly live meetings via Zoom, I should say, on any Pacific time zone, which starts where we're kicking it off, anywhere in the Pacific time zone where you can go in there from 7 to 8 o'clock at night and you could actually talk to a live counselor. It's a group therapy meeting type of thing, but <clears throat> and it's really for parents, not for kids. Right. But okay. they can get okay, ideas. Okay, so that group is for parents. Really, we're just starting with parents. Yeah, it's good. They can get a live meeting, right? And they can block out their name and be completely anonymous if they don't want to share their information. Yeah. We're not looking to get names on there. They could put just the word no name. They could put the word anonymous. They could put the word Bob, Mary. It doesn't matter what name they use. And they can ask a question. Most times, there are five or six questions that we know are always the same that everybody wants to ask. But again, it's we're putting different media together because everybody reacts differently. Yeah. That's amazing. Can you... Uh... 
what's your son's what was your son's name jake j-a-k-e jake well man i'm sorry to hear that and i know that um <clears throat> from my own work with people and and losing children and being a therapist and i have two boys myself you know i am sorry for your loss and uh, i can't so imagine much. what the last seven or eight years have been like um i can see that obviously god has used it to motivate you to help others and uh, try to figure out a lot and and so man i just appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that with us and and just putting in this work and this time um to help other kids and help other teens that are being devastated by this Teen Thank suicide. You. we want to make a difference that's the you, you, well, you're you doing know, that for a reason and, and i don't know what the reason is i'm not even sure what the reason is for me but i do know that it, it, this has become quite a calling and in, in some ways almost a legacy that i want to leave families better shape than they are today yeah it's uh <clears throat> you know the suicide rate is is continued to climb i think it's been a, a, a almost 200 percent increase in teen suicide in the last decade why do you think what in your in your questioning and your conversations and your therapy and your work what what are some of the things that you would tell parents um to look out for or that you think has shifted that's caused such a unique um increase yeah well let, let's start with where there are two major changes that have happened just in the last three, four years. Um, one is obviously COVID. Lockdowns have changed the whole fabric of society. You cannot take a teen and lock them down, her down, whatever, and not expect to have repercussions. Um, and I use myself as the example here. My senior year in high school back on the East Coast in North Jersey was the best year of my ever that I had in any year of school, including college, my senior year in high school. I blossomed, I grew, prepared for college. I played football, I played ice hockey. I dated, I, I became, a, I went from being a, a sh the shy boy to the, the person I am today. If you take that away, you put me at a computer if, in my mother's kitchen, which is what we did, I'm a very different person today. Mm -hmm. That didn't blossom. And that's what we asked our teens to do. And the second thing we did is we gave them cell phone. Yeah. So social media, although, yes, can they find out the, the population of Pakistan for a report that's due? They can. They can do that instantaneously, and that's wonderful. That's the good side of Google. What's the downside? It's created, in, instead of them reaching out and becoming more social, it made them more insular. It made them go internal. And it created a highlight reel, the Facebook, the Instagrams, the TikToks created a highlight reel of everybody else's life and everybody's having more fun than them. Mm -hmm. And that's a, excuse me, that's a real problem. And so even my kids one year, I think it was their freshman year in college when my twins came home from school and I live in Northern California now. Um, so lots of families go to Tahoe to go skiing or they go to Hawaii. You know, those are kind of the two extremes. Not every family does this, but it yeah. seems like lots of they asked me the question at we were having dinner one night and, and after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's. And they were like, you know, Dad, are we the only family that, that doesn't go skiing or to, to Hawaii for, for Christmas break? Because that's how it felt. Mm -hmm. And so it made them feel even more inadequate. So the next day we went skiing. You know, you just you don't want that to your kids. And so social media is there are lots of things you could do to help that as a parent. But they are being influenced in ways that they've never been influenced before. And, and TV is more negative for teens than it's ever been. And you start doing those three things of COVID, social media the, with the cell phone, and negative t television outcome, you're 
asking our kids to be different than when you were growing up or when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. You're asking them to deal with more negative issues and they are wholly unprepared to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. We talk about this a lot on here and, and, you know, get to do talks about it, but it's, um, the cell phone has definitely increased, you know, depression and anxiety rates, self-harm rates. And, and it's all those things you talked about. It's, it's the overstimulation of, of the, um, fear of missing out and I don't have enough and I'm not enough. And, and it, it life's hard enough, you know, with, um, being a human and being in this world and looking a certain way and having a certain status and, and, but yeah, when you're, when it's on steroids and it's being blasted full speed in your face every second of every day, you know, it can completely debilitate you. And, and, you know, these stats, the, those stats we talked about earlier, the increase in self-harm and suicide that was happening before COVID, you know, because the phone came out, you know, about a decade ago and kids have only had access to it for about eight to nine years. And so right in the season in which you lost your son has been this crazy increase in all of these terrible things. And, and it's, it's based on social media. It really is. Yeah. I, I would say the, I would say yes, absolutely. Um, but it's also based on a generation of parents who didn't get support and didn't know how to talk about things and mental health issues and anxiety and depression and in their own lives, you know, we have three generations ago, we had men who went to war and came back and were completely debilitated and, and traumatized. And they all parented our generation of parents who now are parenting this generation of kids and, and mental health's been, you know, the stigma has been huge, you know, people in churches and people in, you know, veterans and people who, you know, so it's like you go to mental health, you got a problem and you lose your career. And we're just breaking through. We were, I think, just breaking through that ceiling a little bit right before COVID. And I think we're in this weird time where social or therapy's lost its stigma a, a large in a large way. And at the same time, there's just not enough resources and help like your, you know, ministry that is um, out there, you know, compared to the stats. Well, you were 100% correct on that. And I'm correct uh, in calling it a, mini- a ministry. Is that is that the correct? No, no, no. It's a charity. It's charity. definitely a charity. Okay. Yeah, it's it's non. There's no religion. Gotcha. There's no anything in there. It's pure, pure dealing charity. with stress, depression of teenagers and parents. We don't even ask Clint. We don't even ask the whys. We don't want to know the whys. Uh, you're yeah. dealing with what you're dealing with. Our job is to get you help and not be judgmental. And Absolutely. that is, by the way. What, one of the things we talk about with parents, be non-judgmental, so because you create a safe space when you do that for your kids. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I think uh, you know one of the avenues, like you said, I think focusing on the parents is a good a good way to do it because you know a lot of the depression, anxiety, and, and issues that teens have 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 been from the parents not having the skills and the awareness and knowledge to support a kid in this very unique time. I mean, this is the first time in human history that, you know, preteens and teens have been, had the amount of stress, the amount of, um, pressure put on them and they're, they're crumbling. And unfortunately, those of us who have kids, you know, there wasn't a training manual for the phone and for the internet and, and it just hit us by storm. And so I think giving those parents resources to heal from their own stuff and recover from their own things and the group, especially having a place where parents can go and ask questions and not feel shame and not feel parent guilt and, and be able to go, okay, this happened. Now what? Um, that's huge. It's wonderful. Think about your youth, my youth. I have to tell you, when I came home from school, we went out and played. If I wasn't playing organized sports, you know, football or ice hockey, we went out and played 
And on weekends, we went out and played in the old days and you left in the morning and you came home at the end of the day. And, and it was a pretty safe place to go. And, you know, they had some kidnappings across the country that were usually family or related or just something was really bad. But for the most part, it was a really safe thing to do for you to go to the field and play baseball or football and pick up basketball and so <clears> forth. <throat> Today, no one does that. The fields are only organized for organized sports. The basketball courts are totally empty on weekends. There's nothing that allows your kid to go out. So what do they do? They pick up the phone. They hang. They're not releasing all that tension that we used. you and I used to release in some form. Um, and and, and here's, a, here's a good example on that. When you were young, especially when I was young, I'm just a couple years older than you, but when I was young, on Saturday, if we got into a fist fight that boys sometimes got into on the field, right, then the next day we had to learn how to get along because we were playing again and sometimes we'd be on the same team again. Mm-hmm. Now we went from opposite teams to the same team. And we, we just figured out, we learned that social issue of getting along and it was really not a big deal. Yesterday was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Now, you and I get into a fist fight. Your mother calls up my mother, and you come over to my house. You have to apologize. We shake hands and agree to move forward. And you didn't learn really a social skill there at all. Yeah. You didn't strengthen. You didn't get your backbone up. You did nothing. And it's even worse for girls because when they get into a fist fight, that anger lasts three months, four months. Yeah. And you're not going to get it. Yeah, there's a... <clears throat> I think the the difficulty is things change so much that we, you know, as far as research and what we know is, as you said, when I grew up, same thing, you know, my parents didn't know where I was at. You know, they said, come home and the, 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 the streetlights came on, you know, my mom went to work, my parent, my dad was not there and I would be out in the woods playing with my friends for seven hours and nobody in the entire world knew where I was. And what, what I say is that they had, a our parents had a much larger, um, margin for error so bad things happened there were sexual abuse cases there are there was trauma i mean you know as as you know and i know that the adults our age and older who i see in therapy and our practices see in therapy had lots of trauma and lots of issues from their childhood but they were um fewer and farther between and we never as a culture dealt with that you know, recovered from that generation worth of trauma and issues. And we never really navigated that well. And then we like, again, injected steroids into the next generation. So you're right. Like, you know, there might be a little fight on the playground and you learn how to deal with it. But today, again, not saying that's not traumatic and that didn't need some work around, but saying it didn't have the impact it did because it didn't continue. And today a, a kid can, you know, bully you at school and um, you know, take a picture of you and create an entire Instagram account or Twitter account of bad pictures of you or pictures of you picking your nose or scratching your butt or whatever they want, and then they can just send that out to a thousand people. You do a lot of damage nowadays. Yes, it's, in a very short period of time. Exactly, and then you can't get away from it. Right. You know what you've done, your mistakes. Like I, I laugh all the time and say, man, I'm so glad when it, my first three years of college they didn't have Facebook. You know, I all did right. some really dumb. There's a lot of really dumb pictures of me. You know, we have these photo albums from our senior trip to Cancun in our in our house. And I'm like, we threw them away recently because my oldest is eight. And I'm like, I don't want him to see the ridiculous. You know, I've had it, this photo album for like 20 years. And it's like all of our, we're all drinking and nobody has clothes on. It's ridiculous. I'm like, why do we still have, I found them. Like, why do we still have these pictures? But it's literally the only people who could see those pictures are the people in my house. And today 
your mistakes are put out for everybody and for every job and for every boyfriend or girlfriend or for every spouse to see forever. And the level of shame and anxiety and pressure and fear that that is placing on 12 to 18 year olds is, is causing them to fall apart. It is. And it's even worse for girls. And that's why uh, girl suicide is growing exponentially compared with boys. Even though boys commit suicide, actually take their lives four to one over girls. But girls' suicide is growing so quickly because of the shame. Yeah. And, and, and that's shame of body <clears throat> image, shame of face, shame of friends, shame of what you just mentioned, too. It yeah. lasts forever. And men, and men, statistically, they they do something more lethal. So it's not that I think they're 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 both taking they're you know attempting a lot. But boy, men for whatever reason we don't know all the research, but they tend to use a gun or use a you know violence that ends it. Or a lot of times females will use a pill or they'll you know they'll cut, but they won't do it correctly. And and so it's not that they're not serious about it. Which which for people listening, we we did our one of our few first couple episodes was a big one on suicide and. For people listening, take all cries for help seriously. You know, if a child is talking about suicide or I want to kill myself or I don't want to be here, you have to take it seriously. That doesn't mean you have to lock it down and, you know, throw away the key. But um, people who say, oh, well, they're just pretending or they're just playing or they're just trying to get attention. Well, yeah, they are because they're in pain and they really, really need some help and they really need some support. And so whether they do have a plan or they don't have a plan makes a difference. If your child tells you, hey, I'm thinking about taking these pills, then you need to take it even more serious. But if your kid comes to you and says, I don't want to be here anymore, I just wish I was in heaven, or I just wish I was, this world would end, emotionally take that very seriously. Don't minimize that and say, oh, well, it's no big deal. Oh, yeah, don't don't underreact, but don't overreact either. Yeah. Deal with it. Don't run from it. Deal with it. And that actually presents a wonderful opportunity for you and your team to begin a communication that maybe that's been lacking for a long time. Absolutely, man. I mean, and that's why, I mean, I love that what you're doing, I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I'm going to look at your stuff and put it on, you know, attach it to our website so that people can see that number and that text. Cause I think it's an amazing resource. That's not, not utilized. So however I can support you guys and kind of push people your direction and get help. And it, I'm going to use it for our clients because, you know, it's just not, like I said, there's not enough out there and, and we can't do this stuff outside of community. You know, we feel as parents, we feel so isolated and so alone and so helpless when our kid comes to us and says, hey, boom, here's a big thing I'm dealing with. And we thought everything was fine and we were just kind of doing our thing. And and that's the other challenge I would give is, you know, parents have to get off their phones and get out of their social media and get out of their, you know, their need to check out so they can be present with their kid and make sure that, you know, they are actually okay. You know, it's funny, Clint. We could, and I'm sure you were going to ask this, but I'll, I'll just kind of put a question out there. there and ask, what's what's the number one thing a parent can do to begin this conversation, needed conversation, overdue conversation with their team, and that is to make dinner time cell phone free time. Oh man, and that includes the includes the parents. <clears throat> put your cell phones in a basket, and then that includes no calling grandma. Yeah, no texting grandma or your son at college, daughter of college. Nothing happens during the dinner hour except you and your team. And we put on our website even a whole 40, 50 questions that you can ask your team based on your personality and your team's personality to help you get going. But make those dinners cell phone free. And, and it's not just saying, how was your day? And you get boys who are kind of caveman and answering, caveman with a grunt, okay. Right. I have a 29-year-old getting two dual concurrent PhDs, and he still grunts when I said, how's it going? Okay. And I have to remind him, I paid a lot of money for this. Can you please answer me? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's really true. And so you got to, that's, that doesn't mean they're depressed. That's very normal. Yeah. Any one of the traits of depression is a normal trait. Put them together and you could have something happening here. Yeah. But it's a little question like, what's your favorite class? Why? Who's your favorite teacher? Why? Who's your least favorite teacher? Who's your, how's that, how's that going? How's your grade? You hate chemistry. Okay, I got it. I wasn't that good in chemistry myself. How's it going? Are you showing up? Who's your best friend in chemistry class? Are they showing up? Because they might talk about their friends saying, well, you know, Jimmy or Mary, they don't even show up anymore. They just hang instead of going to chemistry. They already soon they're going to fail. I said, well, are you with Jimmy or Mary? They might talk about it in third party terms mm -hmm. because there's something they love and there's something that's okay. And there's something they hate. And you've got to find out about all of those and the whys behind it and about their friends. My mother was very annoying. Because she always asked me about my friends. Who's your best friend at school? And then she would call them, right? Because they used to publish these phone lists. They, she would call the mother of my two or three best friends. And she said, hey, I understand that you, you your, your friend Stuart and Elliot, hey, they hang together. Do you mind if I just stop by and introduce myself? And I thought, God, this is the most annoying thing a mother can do. But she was right. She wanted to know who I'm hanging with and what they were like. Because she knew that at the end of the day, you do emulate your friends. Mm -hmm. And that's good or bad. You emulate your friends. If Jimmy's going down the road of, of, of getting high or stoned, guess what's going to happen to your child if that's their best friend? doesn't always happen, but it's a good indication that something could be going the wrong direction. And you can head it off before it gets out of control. Absolutely. I thought you were in Northern California. Isn't that okay? Isn't that a good uh, coping mechanism to use? <laughs> I'm in Northern California. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The pot. I was joking. Uh, no, it's well. You know something? It's very interesting. They just had a report this morning on a radio that said that there are even when we have legalized pot, but the fastest growing segment is the, still the illegal mm -hmm. pot, in California, because there are no taxes on it and yeah. it's easy to easy to get. Oh, I mean that that's the argument for everything, right? Is if you make the bad thing illegal, then everybody'll just do it. You know, we work in human trafficking right. and there's a big push of like just make prostitution illegal and all these things won't happen. And it's like, no, the, the people who want to do bad illegal things are going to keep doing bad illegal things. It's it's not going to, you know, <clears throat> make all the, all the people just be like, "Oh, okay. Let's let's get well, legit." Well, they have last year in California 360 or so, 362 emergency room visits caused by pot was by Matt Cannabis. That means people were driving under their influence and had an accident. That means if they were buying a non-recreational pot, it could have been laced with something that got them very sick. Today, incidental drugs that kids take, if they have fentanyl in them, oh, it's man. a death sentence. Well, that's the big, that's the insane thing that we're living in. I know we didn't, I mean, I guess we should talk about it because I think it's part of, I would say, uh, maybe I'll ask you the question, but you know, how do drugs and alcohol and um, and the way that drugs are produced and created, especially in 2023, oh, golly, it's 23. Um, how is that impacting teen suicide and self-harm and <clears throat> and just the, the you know mental health crisis that they're in? Well, compared so, to again, compared to even just 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. So obviously it's growing. Everything is stronger than it used to be when you were younger or I was younger. I certainly was no saint. Um, with the drinking age in, in New Jersey being 18, <laughs> to find an 18-year-old to buy you some beer was really easy to do, uh, and we did it all the time. Uh, and and I could grow a good uh, beard, so we just you know sneak in there. Yeah, it was easy to do. So you, I think what's happening is 
drugs are an outlet. They've always been getting high, drunk, stoned. These been have been outlets. But the drugs are stronger, and they do more damage than they used to do. Yep. I'm not sure about alcohol is not more damaging, but it's it's not a good thing no matter what. Well, it's more accessible. You know, like I mean, it's more accessible. There are more options. There are more companies. I mean, all that definitely increases the likelihood of kids getting it. Yeah, and then my daughter, when she was in uh, 10th, 12th grade, she went to an XTC party, and she took some of the she took a prescription from out of our house. And a prescription happened to be because I had multiple back surgeries and I thought I hit him really well, but it was Norco. Mm. And that's, you know, that's a legal painkiller. Right. And she took those to the party, not for herself because everybody stole drugs and they put three pills in this dish. And then everybody at the end of the night, whatever they were drinking, everybody reached in and grabbed one white pill, one pink pill or one blue pill or whatever they brought there. And they took those pills to see how it would affect them. So imagine if that was a blood pressure pill, a cardiac pill, and a cancer drug, cancer yep. drug, and not my Norco or two Nor, where you got Norco and some other drug in there, the double downers. You're, you're, these are not good things for kids, but these exist today. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, you know, I like to get to root causes. I think one of the, the root causes of that, you know, just thinking about it, is same conversation I had a couple of podcasts ago. Is kids like to take risks. They like to explore. They like to have that kind of um, um, scary, almost anxious feeling of doing something bad. And so I think as we, we as parents, one of the disservices we've done in the last 10 to 20 years is we have protected our kids so much that we have overprotected them for, from things that aren't really that dangerous. As you said earlier, trafficking, you know, we're, we're terrified that someone's going to snatch our kid at Target. But what's, that's really, really unlikely you know, research wise, what's more likely is that a neighbor's going to sexually abuse them or a friend's going to abuse them, or they're going to see porn, you know, hardcore porn online. And we're spending all this time hovering and protecting them from these things that we're terrified of and ignoring completely the things that are right in front of our face because of the change in culture. And so we're, we're creating these kids who are terrified of everything. They have no ability, no resiliency and no ability to kind of resolve a conflict or stand up for themselves or push through hard. And so they're, they're drawn to the, the drugs and alcohol and, and groups of people that draw you in when you want to take a risk. And I think we should do a better job, or at least in the next generation, if we can salvage this is get back to camping, get back to teaching our kids things and taking healthy risks and letting them, you know, have a pocket knife and work some things out and, you know, get a scratch or a neck here and there and, and let them recover from those things. And, and they won't need all of this extreme, um, you know, outlier things. And, and like you said, because again, the, the window um, is so small for us in this generation because the consequences for smoking a little pot today, it's way more likely that they're, they're going to have something in it that they, they shouldn't have in it than when we were growing up. Right. And I know you're not, you're not <clears throat> giving permission to do this, but the reality is yeah, no. we're going to do this. Yeah, I you know we. I'm we not saying drunk. I'm not saying smoke pot or let your kids drink. What I'm saying is, have a healthy developmental thing that is appropriate that is risk, so that they won't have to go do those things, and try to have conversation about it without accusing them and without judging them because they're yeah. going to do bad things. Yeah, don't shame them. My dad, yeah, my dad. I remember it was an eighth grade school dance, middle school, junior high school dance, and uh, we went there with a bunch of friends, and I was at that awkward age 
you know, just trying to figure out who I was and what I was. And, and so the cool kids were dancing in the middle of the gym. But the kids like me, even though I played a lot of sports, I was exceptionally uncomfortable with, with girls. And I wasn't coming into my own yet for still a few more years of confidence to be able to get in that middle of the circle. So I walked the perimeter of the gym with all my buddies. We, walked, we maybe got one dance in there, maybe. That's right. Walked the perimeter. I actually watched my son do the same thing and laugh. But I had to, and then I never showed up at one of his dances again because I thought I can't do that. But so I walked the perimeter, and then at some point, let's say at eight thirty or nine o'clock, we 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 all looked at each other. We were all kind of uncomfortable. It was a bunch of guys, and we're all guys that hung out together, guys that played sports together. There was nothing going on that was other than very ordinary fifteen or fourteen year olds hanging together, right? And so we walked down to the local bar, to the local liquor store. So we had liquor stores. And we waited for somebody to come around and he bought us beer. And we had, I think, our, my first organized beer. <laughs> so <to speak. laughs> and I, I, I know we all had a lot. We had a, way too much beer with zero tolerance. So we just got way over the top. And I came home that night and I was drunk. And this is eighth grade, which is, you don't want your 14-year-old, 15-year-old being drunk for sure. No. And I walked in and my brother was there. My father was there. And I was too drunk to even talk to them. And I went right to sleep. I said, I'm going to sleep. And so they knew something was up, my older brother and my dad. And they came in, and I probably smelled it too. My dad came in at 8 in the morning and woke me up. And he puts his hand out to shake my hand. And he goes, how's my drunken son? Hmm. And I said, well, Dad, he said, don't say a word. Go in the shower. Take a shower. I don't want your mother smelling it. You stink. Come out here. You and I will go out for breakfast. We'll talk. And we went out, and we wanted to know, tell me what happened. Be completely honest with me. I'm not mad at you, but we should talk about this. And we did. And th throughout my young life, my dad was always the one that I could go to, never my mom. And I could go to him and say, Dad, this is not working well for me. And he would say, okay, let's talk about it. Mm. And even <clears throat> in the end of 10th grade, there was a, uh, a I was leaving, or 10th grade, I was leaving my friends that I grew up with and finding all my new friends that would become my friend still today. But it was a change in life from the kid to the adult, to the teen. And it was a Saturday night that I paced the house. And my dad came over to me as I was pacing the house. And he said, what's going on? And I said, I got nowhere to go tonight. He said, well, why aren't you with your friends? Why aren't you with Leonard and, and that group? He said, well, they're playing pool and eating pizza. And I don't want to be with them tonight. He said, well, where are your other friends? I, rich and and those guys he said well they're they belong to some youth group and they went to a party mm -hmm. you know at this other town and he said well why didn't you go with them i said and I, I i didn't have an answer i don't know what to say he said well why don't you call him on monday and tell him or to that morrow tell him you'd like to go to the youth group you know and, and give me the name of it so i can look at you know do some research and i told him the name of it of what i knew and and go to the party and i did but so he understood that you're a teenager and things happen mm -hmm. and communicate well. And that's what we don't do anymore as parents. And that's what we have to get back to being is the parents that are kind of in our lives and in our faces without being too much in our lives or in our faces. Yeah, you're right. It's such a, it's such a balance. I mean, um, those are such great stories of your dad and, and being present and, you know, from a, from a Christian perspective, I, I would say discipling you, you know, walking you through disciplining you, teaching you, 
um, how life goes. And you're right. I mean, if 56% of our families don't have a father in the house because of divorce, and even more of that, if you go down the poverty line and socioeconomic status is you know higher and higher and higher, then you have entire you know millions of people in the United States who don't have a man in the home or don't have a parent in the home to to guide them and model them. If it's a single parent household, then you know one of those parents is working their butt off to be able to just afford everything that there is in society to afford. And I think that goes down the cycle of what do we need and what do we want and you know, why are we working so hard to pay for things that are killing us? You know, we have these phones and devices and computers that cost thousands of dollars that we have to have to entertain ourselves. And yet those things are the things that are killing us. Yeah, we're under your and you said it so well there, Clint, we're under crediting the amount of effort it takes to work full time because we live in a two income world now. You know, it takes two incomes to pay for that house or mortgage. And if it's only one, it takes even more effort. And then that mom comes home and she's downright exhausted. Then she's making dinner as fast as she possibly can, mm-hmm. you know, because she's she's out of time. And she wants to get her night over, too. She's tired mm-hmm. or he's tired. And it's not a healthy situation here. And that means that if if you're on your phone at dinner or you're busy, it's my as a parent is now, it's actually free time for me because you're busy, but you're not busy in the right ways. Yeah. And I'm taking that phone as a babysitter. It's all wrong. It's it's yeah, it's all wrong, man. And and I think, you know, we're not going to fix all the world's problems in one day, but I think teen suicide is a is a major component to this. And and the fact that kids are killing themselves at that alarming of a rate more, um, speaks to just the com- complete crumbling of our society. They should be the the most protected, most most well, you know, nurtured and discipled and taught. But as the family unit's falling apart and we have put our our harmony and our peace into the American dream, right, into things, into stuff, into possessions, and into, honestly, um, you know, our future, retirement even, you know, that we, we spend so much money thinking, well, I got to work like a dog as a, as a father to provide all these things they need so they can go to college and then they can have a good life. And I'm seeing them as a clinician, as adults going, I just wish dad would have hung out with me. I wish dad would have come and played board games with me. I wish he would have annoyed me, you know? The perspective that parents have and teens who become adults have are so different. Uh, You're right. You really want your dad, your mom in your life. You do. You just want to hang. And, but as a parent and I am, and I have 29 year old twins now um, who are adults and I'm obviously still working uh, and paying for plenty of stuff for them still. (laughs) Um, my thing is, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm helping them be happy. And their thing is, can we just hang that at 29? You know, my son was in Wisconsin. They'll say, Hey, you want to just come on up or you want to just go to a, a ball game? We went to New York last year with my, I mean, my son and my stepson. And we went to the Yankees game and I had my cousins cause I'm from that area all come up and come to the Yankees game with us and have dinner with us afterwards. And we're not talking about a luxury, luxury yeah. dinner. We just hung. I think we had deli food. Yeah. We just hung. We even went, we even said, can we just find a Sabret hot dog stand? Go have hot dogs while oh, we're walking. That's the best, man. Yeah, because we just want to hang. And then we talked about the hot dogs and the dirty water that they're cooked in. <laughs> and then we had a knish on the street and it was like, is this like the best knish you've ever had in your life? And we had chestnuts and things like that. It yeah. didn't, you didn't have to eat a $56 no. filet mignon. 
close to each other. It's not going to make you happy. It's not yeah. going to make you happy, man. It, you know, we were talking the other day. I have a, um, a TED talk coming up in next weekend, actually, not this weekend coming up, but the next weekend. And um, it's the first one I've ever done. And, you know, as you know, TEDs are a big deal. And, you know, I'm nervous about it and preparing for it and practicing. And, and somebody asked me literally just this morning, like, how's it going? Are you so excited? And I was like, honestly, I mean, I am excited because I'm, I want to get this information out and help more people, but I don't really care. You know, two years ago, I would have thought, oh my gosh, this is a career thing. Like, it's going to be incredible. And then I would have been even more nervous. But I know, like, it's not going to make me happier. You know, if my, no, if my wife, my marriage, yeah, if my, my, my marriage isn't good and my kids and me aren't connected, if I'm, if I'm not doing what I should be doing as a leader, I could do a hundred Ted talks and have a million dollars in the bank and I'm not going to be happy. And I see people like that every single day who are miserable and the things they come into therapy to talk about are not their career. It's not the car they're driving. It's not the talk they're about to give. It's not any of that. It's man. I really wish I could talk to my son better. Man, I really wish I would have been there when they were little. Man, I really wish me and my wife were connected. I really wish my extended family and I had, you know, it's all the stuff that actually matters that we are literally giving, if an hour to a day, that. Yeah, it's, it's a different world. It's, it's interesting. I've always said that every parent, every future parent, so if a couple gets together and looking to have kids, should go through some counseling on how their life will change once they have kids, because it will, it's your, your, your begin with lack of sleep and that transforms into everything bad yeah. after that. I still haven't I slept say it, in eight still, years. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what happens when you're not sleeping, you're making choices that aren't always very good choices. That's right. And it causes your relationship to get distant and you don't want it to get distant because your kids deserve you to be a great parent and enjoy being a great parent. Mm -hmm. And we don't do that. And then you're distracted. By so many things that are free nowadays. I mentioned the word porn on the internet. It's free. You know, almost everything that used to be bad or hidden or forbidden is free. And it's four inches from my right hand right now. Yep. Access and, is, is unbelievable. Access, access, affordability and accountability are the three things, right? It's like we can get it anytime we want it, whatever it is. And not just porn, but anything, even information, right? I mean, it go, man, I mean, Think about being a teenager and thinking, I don't need to ask my dad anything. I don't need to ask his opinion about religion. I don't need to ask his opinion about how to fix a bike. I don't need to ask his opinion about nothing because I can just Google it and it's going to tell me way more than my dad knows. Oh, for sure. Like, how well, is that good for I your do, mental health? You want, you want, to know, want to know how to build a refrigerator? It's on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> which is amazing. I mean, I've, I've fixed some poorly. I've fixed very poorly a lot of things in our house from a YouTube video um, that took me 15 hours longer than it would have taken a professional. You know, but it's there. And at the same time, me and I mean, just yesterday, we took my uh, my five year olds group of kids to uh, a field trip. And one of my other therapist kids goes to the same school. So we were both there and I stand back talking to him and um, we're at a museum. And I said, man, every time I come here, I'm like, I need to dive into Native American history. I need to dive into these like it just I get so excited about history. And then you end up watching, you know, cat videos or some fail video or something for three hours. And it's like, we have, it's this crazy double bind. We have all this information at our fingertips and yet statistically we use it for nonsense 90% of the time. Yeah. It's, it's, it, but you know, going back and staying in focus, we mm. can learn how to be better parents Yeah, all the time. And if we're better parents, we're going to raise better, with better teens, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be great and they're going to do stupid things, you know, and, 
your world of danger when you grew up with my world of danger was there. Today, some of those worlds of danger ruin a child's life and put them in jail. Immediately. So yeah. we don't want them, that to happen to any of our kids, of course. no, Nobody wants that. But we can have that communication. And if you're just open and honest with really good questions and knowing that, hey, I was far from perfect myself. I'm not going to judge you. This is part of growing up. They're going to be more honest with you and you'll end up with better outcomes. Yep. And if you can, as a parent, um, differentiate, you know, your kid from you and learn to realize that they're not a extension of you, that they're a totally different human being than you are with different gifts and different abilities. And, and a lot, I think a lot of parenting is reactionary to, oh, my gosh, I screwed up. Now you're acting this way. And now I'm ashamed. And so I'm going to, you know, beat it out of you or lecture it out of you or control it out of you. When in reality, like you said, you can be a great parent. You can do the best you can. And our kids are still going to have struggles. They're still going to make mistakes. They're still going to, and they're going to have to learn all those lessons. And the best thing we can do is build that bridge in between us and them to hold those heavy things so that they'll come back to us and go, Hey, I know you told me this for four years and now I'm ready to listen. Yeah, they'll, they'll grow up, they'll listen, and they'll end up being good good adults. Look, 99% of parents, 99.9 probably, want to be good parents. You know, there's always the small fraction of people that just either they don't care or don't want anything to do with it, or they just, it's not inside of them. They can't, yeah. they can't sympathize, they can't empathize. They don't have that. Those, but most of them want to be good parents. The, but to be a really good parent, you need to be a really good listener. Yep. That's good, and you got to start that early. You know, you got to start that, you know, three, four, five, six. You can't just start at teen years. And I think that's the other part is, you know, equipping parents early um, to get community support and to get this education and to get resources so that by the time you're, you know, you can't have the talk when the kid's developmentally ready. You got to have it ahead of time. Yep. You're right. You're 100% right. What are, what are some of the um, other resources that you guys offer that maybe our listeners could know about that um, that they could look into? Okay, so we've got, again, we've got all the written resources on the website. Then you got a, a text program that we created and a live Zoom program all on a, a brighterday.info. Those are the three main resources that we created. There's a mailing list that sends this out. It just went out again today with two articles every other week that we send out. Okay. Of what's happening from every subject you could think of for teens and parents of teens that we do that. Then on the website is a teen survival toolkit. Oh, cool! And that's written for teens in teen language, and we put the we put that on Instagram and TikTok as well. I'm not a fan of TikTok, but that's a different conversation. Oh yeah, we can go an then hour got, for that. Yeah, and then we've got a parent survival toolkit in there as well for parents to read and get some help. So the key is, as a parent, is read of what's going on, and for teen, know that for the teens that might be listening to you, that hey, I'm not the only one that has struggles. The world isn't getting darker. I can help myself. Maybe I should include my parents, but even if I can't right now include my parents, maybe I can get some help on my own too. And that's what the text line is all about. Yeah, definitely. Well. That's good, man. Yeah, if you're if you're a teen listening or a young adult and you're struggling, you know, there are adults, there are therapists, there are people that understand what it's like um, because we've worked with enough of you to listen and hear your stories and, and we are here. We're not your parents. If your parents are broken and hurting and they don't know how to help you, um, don't stay stuck thinking you're alone. Your parent is not um, the end all be all to hope and health and um, you can get help. So, you know, a lot of times I think for kids and teens and young adults, you know, they have a, a crap life and 
um, they come to some speaker or some church or something and, and the speaker says, you need to respect your parents. Your parents are doing the best they can, you know, and it's like, you know what, maybe, maybe they're not, you know, maybe they maybe you are in a crap position and maybe you do need to go to somebody besides your parents and get some help. So, you know, I think it's important that you guys are doing what you're doing. You have those resources that covers so much. I mean, being able to do the zoom and text and, and get on there. I love the survival guides. Um, would you mind if I looked at those and attached those to our website if, as a resource? Everything on our website you can attach. It's free and there's no advertising. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm going to check that out. Any any closing questions or comments or thoughts from you? I, I think just help be a great be a great communicator and get rid of your cell phones at dinner. Take a walk with your kids. If you're driving your kids to sports like we do, sometimes it's taxi drivers for our kids or teenagers. Turn the radio off. Get the ear pods out of both of you and just talk. That's the key. Um, keep in mind for parents, and you mentioned um, one of the one of the issues that people in ministries and pulpits and doesn't matter what the religion is, is they have very good intentions, but they talk at you. Mm-hmm. And so, as a parent, don't talk at your teen, because yep. teens don't listen to people who talk at them. They want to know that you empathize with them and you understand their plight and their plight is unique to them, even though you and I have seen this a hundred or a thousand or 10,000 times, it is still very unique to them. Absolutely. Yeah. You might think, oh, this is no big deal. It'll be over in a week, but it's the end of the world for them. And I think, like we said earlier, it's a balance between acknowledging that, validating that, and then, and then directing them, um, with truth and, and objectivity and all that stuff. So well cool. well, cool, man. Well, I love that you uh, asked to come on, and I'm, I'm very thankful for your time and your service. And um, like I said, I, I'll be praying for you and yours as you guys do what you're doing and, and try to help people. Um, I hope that um, in the future, if you need anything, you can reach out and, and ask because we're here and we got a team of people who can um, be of service. So I appreciate it. Thank you. We'll add you to our website as well as a resource. Awesome, man. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Guys, thanks for listening. Uh, God bless you and have a good week.